Lisa K. 10 to noon on KTOE. Back on KTOE, Lisa Kay in on your midday shift. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Certainly appreciate having you along for the ride. We have got our friend Kent TC in chair two today for a little focus on egg. Kent, how are you doing? Doing great. I'm so glad to see you 10 days into retirement. Yes, I'm in the <laughs> retirement and we got winter now outside. Uh, actually, this is your fault. You brought yeah. it with, right? <laughs> We we finally got winter. Everybody wondered if it was ever going to come, but it it finally is here, and it sounds like it's going to stick around a little while. Well, if you want to do a little dreaming uh, and and not have it be white outside, think about Italy in the fall, because ah. I'm going to Italy in the fall with KTOE listeners. Well, now that's exciting. Yeah, well, I'm that's... very excited for this. It's like uh, an eight-day trip that we're taking with Travelooza, and we're going to be going all over and seeing all of the things. Uh, we've got Tuscany, Florence, Ancient Rome, and Vatican City, Thursday, October 24th through Saturday, November 2nd. And if you're interested in going along with, we've got some informational meetings that are coming up at the WOW Zone on Tuesday, January 23rd at 6 p.m. and Saturday, February 3rd at 11 a.m. Those meetings are free. Just come and learn a little bit about it uh, because we're going to be doing guided walking tours uh, in Florence. We're going to see Michelangelo's David. Um, are you a wine drinker? I could be. I, <laughs> that's, well, that's what my husband you know, said, you too. You start telling about this, and um, my wife, Liz, who a lot of people know, um, she, this is, that would be like near the top of her bucket list. Liz. To go to Italy, so. <laughs> I would love to take Liz to Italy. You can come with. Oh, really? But okay. yeah, <laughs> that would be so much fun. Uh, we're going to see, um, we're going to do wine tasting in San Gimignano. I have to make sure I pronounce that right. And then we've got um, landmark, historic landmark tours set up by night. We're going to see Rome by night. And then we're going to get up the next morning and be able to explore uh, the Colosseum, the Roman Forum. There's going to be um, the Arch of Constantine on the tour as well. And when we get to Vatican City, uh, it's, a, it's a VIP skip the line tour. So you don't have to. Vatican gets very busy. So. Yeah. I suppose. We're going to be skipping that. Um, So it's a full custom guided land package. And even though we're going with KTOE listeners and traveling as a group, I did ask the Travelooza people, I said, do we have to, are are we sticking with this whole group the whole entire time we're there? And they said, no, there's plenty of time for you to be off on your own. So it's not like you're with, um, you know, I think strangers that will become friends after a while. Um, but we've got a website that's up right now. If you want to take a look at it, uh, you can go to KTOE.com. You can also go to Travelooza.com backslash Italy with Lisa or go check out the KTOE Facebook page for that because there is more info on there, um, I think. But the most important thing is those informational meetings that are going to be coming up um, at the end of this month on the 23rd and once again in February. So uh, KTOE.com or the KTOE Facebook page. So maybe we'll see you in Italy in the fall. You never know. Yeah, right? I know. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about, I was thinking about you when it was shortly, um, well, no, it was Christmas. When did we get that rain? On Christmas Eve? Yeah, it was right just before Christmas. Um, I'm t- it was either a couple days before, or, I think, into Christmas Eve. And, you know, I think across the region here, anywhere from an inch and a half to two inches of rain fell over about a 48-hour period. It was and, that much? Yeah, oh, okay. in, in some areas. Uh, now, some areas maybe didn't measure quite that much, but I know some areas had, up, especially west of here, they had that much. And, you know, I, we talked, I think, 
on this program back in both probably November and December, how we were hoping to get some recharge to the soil moisture because we ended the year very dry. We were very dry most of uh, really from middle October all the way to middle of December. And, uh, you know, normally you hope for that rain probably in the first half of November before the ground freezes up, uh, recharge the soil moisture. Well, because of the unusual weather we had this year where the ground really never froze, uh, we got that rain in December and it all soaked in. Uh, one thing I think most people would notice, there was really very little, uh, if any, standing water. It mm-hmm. just all like a right sponge. in the soil. Mm-hmm. And I know the, I heard... Uh, one of the uh, scientists at the University of Minnesota Research Center at Waseca say that they were probably 75 to 80 percent of their capacity for stored soil moisture. <clears throat> I don't think a lot of areas are probably that high, but it certainly uh, brought the levels up quite a bit from where they were uh, back in late November, early December. So it certainly helps out as we look forward to the coming growing season, that rain that we got, uh, assuming now it's sounds like the ground will freeze pretty solid here mm-hmm. in the next while because normally if if you get a rain like that in December and the ground's froze most of that water will run off right. and it doesn't soak into the soil so so that was very beneficial as we look ahead to the coming growing season now with the what's happening outside today with all of the snow um does that mean that the ground is frozen? Or not, not necessarily. The ground freeze would be more the temperature. It's probably, uh, you know, again, the ground, uh, there might be a little frost in the top few inches, but uh, the kind of weather we're probably going to have later this week and next week where we have sustained temperatures uh, in the single digits. and I think then Thursday it's coming in, right? And then we get below freezing or below zero at night where it's sustained like that. That's when the frost tends to penetrate deeper into the ground. And of course, some of that will depend too how much snowfall we get before that mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, if we do get a few inches of snow that kind of insulates it a little bit so so how deep that frost goes in the soil probably will depend a little bit on uh, it actually it's probably good to, depending on if if it gets real cold with no snow cover uh, sometimes it can really go deep into the soil and you can have problems uh, with pipes and stuff like sure. that but it would have to stay cold for a long time for that since we don't uh, we haven't had any cold weather to this point. Well, with what's going on, what the rain that we got, um, is that it's that it can be good news for livestock producers? Why is well, that? Well, the rain. I think uh, the weather we're having outside now. Um, uh, following the rain, I, we were talking kind of longer term into the growing season. I think uh, for grain farmers right now, one thing they need to be aware of is probably checking their grain bins. There's a lot of uh, stored grain on the farms right now, especially corn. Mm-hmm. And when you have the warm temperatures like we've had and then it gets cold, uh, that's when you want to run your fans to kind of aerate that grain. Otherwise, you start getting moisture movement in the grain and you can get some spoilage. Uh-huh. So. 
Good time to check bins to probably uh, turn the fans on here and kind of cool that grain back down on the outsides uh, to avoid those problems. As far as the livestock producers, uh, most livestock producers would probably welcome a little cooler weather, just more stable weather. Uh, when you get these warm spells where it's warm and damp, uh, that just like it's tough on people, where you kind of tend to get more of those flu symptoms, cold symptoms. Same thing kind of happens with livestock. Oh, they, I didn't know that. And they kind of get that those respiratory diseases and have issues. There, uh, a lot of people think, well, when it's warm, it's better for livestock. No, that warm, damp weather is actually worse, especially if they're in confinement. So sometimes it's better when you get that kind of crisp pool air, not extreme cold, but that you know. Uh, you get that those where it's highs in the 15 to 25, 30 degrees, and it gets a little cool at night. Uh, most, uh, especially cattle or sheep, uh, they're well protected to uh, survive in those kind of conditions, especially right. if they got a shelter, so so they can get out of the wind. So uh, again, uh, you know, I, I think probably the weather forecast we got coming here. Uh, overall will be a little more favorable for livestock, especially outside livestock. Kent TC Focus on Ag is our guest today. Talk of the town. We're going to be talking a little bit about planning for the growing season coming up. I've got some questions about um, how the, the land rental rates are going to go, and you're going to stick around uh, this hour with us. So and then we're going to talk about, again, you know, Kent is retired now. And so uh, how do we get in touch with you? We got all of that stuff. So stick around. We're going to be back with Kent TC here on KTOE. It's Middays with Lisa Kay. Back on KTOE, it's Talk of the Town and Lisa Kay hanging out in studio with Kent TC. It's a little focus on ag today where we're talking all about what's going on. Well, what's going on outside? We, we came out of a uh, winter weather advisory this morning. I think that ended at about nine o'clock, Kent. And so here we are. Uh, I know a lot of people think that uh, when if you're not if you're not farming if you're not planting if you're not planning um, that the winter time is a time to rest well it's not really it's a different kind of work right it is uh, you know on the farm you know obviously if you have livestock it's every day you do chores mm-hmm. and you got to feed probably twice a day for a lot of folks but even for crop farmers uh, it's a busy time as soon as they get done harvest. Uh, they start doing their, first of all, they do their uh, tax planning because farmers' tax season comes a little quicker. They have to have that their doesn't taxes sound fun. Done by the 1st <laughs> of March. And, and of course, they because it's a business, they have to do a lot of end-of-the-year planning as far as expenses and income to balance that out. And then uh, also farmers uh, start planning for next year. They're ordering their seed, their fertilizer, their chemicals. Uh, they Some of that happens in December. Some of it happens in January. Uh, they're planning, okay, what crops are we going to plan? They're starting to meet with their ag lenders as far as putting their financing together. Uh, they're, a lot. We talked in the first segment about how a lot of farmers still have grain to sell in their bins, mm-hmm. or some of them they've forward priced and they got to haul it to either an ethanol plant or grain elevator or soybean processing plants. So some of them are hauling grain this time of year so there's a lot of things happening out there uh, especially the months of December and January out in the farm and and as we head towards spring now most a lot of farmers if they're going to take some time off will try to 
time that in some point uh, between January and March if they're going to take a little break. But uh, it, it so you're a, saying October is a bad time for me to go to Italy with the farmers, uh, right? Probably <laughs> you're probably not going to get too many farmers uh, in October uh, to go to Italy. But uh, there's a lot of retired farmers out there that might be interested. Perfect. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of the the inputs. Uh, lower, higher. Where? You know, the inputs are interesting. Um, you know, we had uh, a couple years in 2022-23, a very high fertilizer costs. Uh, fertilizer costs shot way up. Mm-hmm. And then uh, now they've kind of come back down again. They've probably dropped off. 20 to 30 percent and again there's a lot of variation out there and when you uh, time it uh, the other input that's come down a little bit are some of the uh, egg chemicals for weed control and uh, fungicides some of those types of things uh, they've come down maybe 10 to 15 percent on the flip side seed costs are probably up a little bit yeah uh, the cost uh, fuel cost is probably a little bit lower than it was a year ago not significant but a little bit lower um but the cost of labor and repairs uh is extremely high Mm -hmm. uh uh, for farmers so those inputs uh have went up and then you got uh interest rates are about double what they were a year ago so uh if a lot of farmers have to borrow money at least part of the year to finance their crop and so those short-term interest rates uh, are quite a bit higher so that can add uh, add some cost as well so uh, overall i think the input costs will be down because the big ones are fertilizer and chemicals but uh uh, it's still, uh, they're still, they're about back, I, as I looked at it, they're kind of back to where they were in that 2020-21 time frame okay. for input costs. Uh, they're lower than they were in 22 and 23, but uh, they're still up there about where they were in 21. And, uh, you know, so so again, that's uh, some good news, some maybe not quite as good news, but overall, I think, improved. Uh, the flip side of that, of course, is the prices right. the farmers give. You know, and I just, uh, I keep track of the prices on a weekly basis. And a year ago at this time, uh, if you project ahead the next fall, what farmers could get for their corn and soybeans, a year ago at this time, they could get around $6 a bushel for their corn. Uh, the price uh, this morning at the ethanol plant in Lake Crystal was below four fifty, so Ooh. it's a dollar and a half less. Okay. And the same with soybeans at the processing plants here in Mankato, it was near fourteen dollars a bushel a year ago, and now it's eleven fifty a bushel. Hmm. And just to put that in perspective, a farmer if they're targeting two hundred bushel corn at a dollar fifty, that's three hundred dollars an acre. Yeah. And so if you had a thousand acres, uh, that's three hundred thousand dollars less yeah. that you're starting the year out with. So even if inputs have come down some, that's a lot to make up. And the same with soybeans, uh, you know, you're talking two and a half dollars an acre less. So, you know, at sixty bushel soybeans, uh, you know, you're talking probably close to hundred and fifty dollars an acre less there too. So I mean it's what it means is the margins are gonna be a lot tighter for farmers and so what they really need to watch 
um, you know, trying to break even their input costs if there's ways to control those. And they also need to look for opportunities if they can lock in some prices. Right. Interest rates, how are they? Well, the interest rates, uh, most farmers are probably going to be around 8 to 9 percent on their operating uh, loans. So uh, that's definitely going to be up. That's, uh, like I said, probably double from where it was two years ago, not from where it was a year ago, but double where it was a couple years ago. So. Wow. All right. Well, uh, as we head towards uh, the next part of our conversation with Kent TC, we're going to talk a little bit about um, land rental rates. Want to know uh, what's going on up or down, if, there's, if you're seeing any trends right now, and also some policy issues. Our focus on ag today here on KTOE, Kent TC is in with us. We'll be back. Kent TC in. A little focus on ag today. Normally, Kent joins us the first Monday of every month. We had uh, a New Year's celebration. In fact, I wasn't here that day. So this is a little uh, different schedule for us. Yeah. Yeah. It's all right. We make it work. It's all good. Talking a little bit uh, today, and in the last segments, you might have caught that we talked about a farmer's planning for the growing season coming up. And we talked a little bit about the weather because we're Minnesotans. We have to do that. I don't think we can function if we don't talk about the weather. But I wanted to ask some question about questions about land rental rates and contracts and things like that. And how are those going um, I know in the real estate world, you know, we watched interest rates go up, then come back down a little bit. And so how's it going for farmers with rentals? Well, you know, rental rates tend to follow land prices a little bit. You mentioned real estate Mm -hmm. and land values, of course, went up sharply from about 2021 to 2023. They've kind of stabilized a little bit now, partly the interest rates, partly those tighter farm profit margins we talked about, but they're still uh, relatively high compared to where we've been over the last 10 years. And the same has happened with land rental rates. Uh, Land rental rates, besides the real estate market, they tend to follow farm profitability. So when farm profits are stronger, uh, landlords tend to increase rental rates and farmers out there become a little more aggressive and competitive trying to rent more land. Mm. Uh, Now, of course, profit levels are coming down and usually what we see with rental rates a lot of times it takes a year or two to kind of readjust. And so I think that's going to put a little more pressure on margins for some farmers because land rental rates have uh, stayed, they're they're probably staying relatively stable. There's maybe a few going up and a few going down, but overall pretty stable. But as we talked about in the first segment, those tighter profit margins, if you're renting a lot of land rather than land you owned, uh, does put a lot of pressure on on those margins, especially if you got some rental rates that are a little on the higher side. Right. So that that is going to uh, be a factor, I think, for some farmers. Now, one alternative that I've uh, is, and again, you don't get much interest till you get these tighter margins is a a concept called flexible leases. And what hmm. what a flexible land lease is. Is it's a land lease where you set a base rental rate at kind of a break even or a little or where there's a small profit in it for the farm operator, and then the flex part comes in if prices and or yields end up better than what was expected, 
then uh, if there's some added profit in there, the landlord shares in part of that profit. Oh, okay. So it's kind of a win-win uh, for both the landlord and the farm operator. And, uh, you know, there's many variations on how to set that up. A lot of people don't want to do it, landlords or farm operators. They say it's too complicated. There are simple ways to set those up that don't have to be complicated. And, you know, one of the things I know we're going to talk a little bit toward the end here, what Kent's up to nowadays. Well, one <laughs> of the things I'm doing is some uh, ag consulting oh, work. Sure. And, and part of that is working with landlords and farm operators on rental contracts and setting up these type of leases. Right. So, uh, but uh, again, uh, there's some other good resources out there. Um, Iowa State University, if you go to Iowa State, their Ag Decision Maker website, they got some great resources on land rental rates and contracts and setting up flex leases. University of Minnesota Extension also has some resources if you go to their website. So there are some other uh, good websites through universities out there as well on land rental rates and contracts. All right. How about ag policy issues moving forward into the new year? Well, ag policy, uh, <clears throat> I think we talked briefly last time last month about the fact that the farm bill had been extended for another year mm -hmm. which means that for 2024 farm operators will operate on the same farm program that existed from 2018 to 23 and that isn't all bad news uh, uh, it'll pro uh, protect the safety net that's out there for corn and soybean producers which is the main thing in this area as well as some of the other programs <clears throat> you know as we look ahead though i think a lot of folks wondering okay what about the farm bill we mm -hmm. we extended it but uh the, it's going to expire again uh by <laughs> september and of next here we year, go again september right? 30th and and uh, they're wondering with an election year coming up will we see some progress going on with the farm bill and i think that's a big question my guess is if we're going to see much movement it would have to happen here in the first two or three months of the congressional session because I think once we get beyond that, uh, uh, most of the Congress, members of Congress, both in the House and Senate, are going to move into full election mode, and uh, it, it'll be difficult then, I think, to, to pass a large legislation like a farm bill. So we'll have to kind of wait and see. Uh, the, and if that doesn't happen, most likely outcome would be another extension through the year 2025 and then they would get serious after the election on it. Right. Take a little breather there for just a, a second. Uh, how about um, exports or egg trade? Well, I think uh, we do rely a lot. We talk about we talked about the prices for corn and soybeans and, and really if you want to go into dairy or pork or any egg commodities, we rely a lot on exports and mm -hmm. uh, it's, uh, some of our biggest exports export partners of course uh, uh, Canada and Mexico are big and we've gotten we got some trade tit for tat going on with both of those countries on on corn with uh, Mexico and dairy products with Canada mm. but also uh, our relationship with China is the other big partner mm -hmm. and again uh, those relations have been a little fragile here again lately and what happens with China is a lot of times if we put tariffs on some of their products or do uh, some trade things they respond 
and a lot of times our response relates directly to ag because that's a big part of what they're getting from sure. us. And we saw that back in the Trump administration when we had uh, the tariffs on soybeans and pork and what had ha- happened to the prices in that era. And I think farmers are a little nervous that we get into that again. And then, of course, we got the situation with Russia and Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And uh, trade is important. Uh, soybeans, about a third of our soybeans uh, get exported and the biggest export partner there is China so and the same with pork products uh, Mexico and China are big uh, export partners for pork so when the of course we didn't talk much about the pork industry today but that continues to be negative margins for a lot of folks so keeping a strong export market is important the other thing that's on the list there is renewable energy and sure. uh, certainly keeping the uh, ethanol and biodiesel. Uh, now, there is some good news there. There's some new uh, uh, plants coming online with biodiesel future uses. And on the ethanol side, uh, what's called sustainable aviation fluid, uh, there seems to be... A I've been reading about that more and more. more of a push there, which, uh, again, can be a plus for either uh, ethanol or biodiesel. So there, there's some positives there. We'll, we'll have to see how it all plays out in the coming year. Back on KTOE, Middays with Lisa Kay and Kent TC joining me, and it's a focus on egg. Kent, we should make sure that people know that you have retired from Minstar Bank, and so we've got a new email address, we've got a new phone number, we have got uh, you still working on items, uh, you're still going to be hanging out with Focus on Egg. Well, right. I'm, I'm going to continue to write my weekly Focus on Ag column. I'm going to continue doing some other writing and speaking, uh, be on with you once a month, hopefully, yep. first Monday of the month. Uh, and I'm also going to do some ag consulting. I mentioned before on the land rental rates, but really any ag topic, farm management related, uh, people can get a hold of me. My new contact, my, my phone number is still the same, which is 507-381-7960. But my email address is now Kent TC, no dot in there, just K-E-N-T-T-H-I-E-S-S-E at gmail.com. Uh-huh. And please use just Kent TC at gmail.com and use that. If you use my old bank one, unfortunately, it goes into the <laughs> never, never land of emails. <laughs> All right, Kent, we've got uh, something exciting happening, the Ag Expo, the 17th and 18th. Right, at the uh, Downtown Civic Center uh, next week, Wednesday, Thursday is 17th and 18th is the Minnesota Ag Expo. That's the uh, annual uh, uh, show put on by Minnesota soybean growers and Minnesota corn growers together. Uh, They have a big uh, exposition down there, several speakers. I know PJ Fleck is one of their keynote speakers. So uh, you can go online, either Minnesota soybean or Minnesota corn, and they got all the details mm-hmm. and it's uh it's free they have sponsors so uh check it out if you want to see the latest and greatest in agriculture uh, locally here a great place to go all right so after this kent and i will move back to the first monday of every month at 11 o'clock is where you can normally find kent or you can catch all of these in the replay you know i put these all on the internet after we're done here ktoe.com on the blog and the podcast page and then uh, so today afternoon i'll get that up there and i'll have your new contact email because if people want to get that focus on egg in their email and they don't get it already they're going to need to contact you right they can just shoot me an email uh, or at they can call me too, but again, kenttc at gmail.com. All right. Good plans for the rest of the day? 
gonna might have to shovel snow. I don't know. <laughs> don't, that's not fun. You're supposed to be retired. You're supposed to go have fun now, right? <laughs> Kent T C T H I E S S E at gmail.com. It's a focus on ag. Kent, always good to have you in, and I guess we will see you coming up in uh, that's gonna be February already. Yeah. My goodness. Not too far away. Thanks for coming in.